0: The A-List Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network.
1: Welcome into the A-List Podcast. I'm Kwani Lunas, joined, as always, by a Blakely and Gary Washburn. Finally, the first round of this series has been closed out how do you two feel? Welcome. <laughs> it's about damn
2: time. It's been That's a minute. That's how I feel. It's about damn time that we can talk about the second round and not talk about it. And if only they get there or when they get there, they're there. It's here. Uh, and I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a good series. Uh, I think it's going to be a different kind of challenge for the Celtics and it'll be, only time will tell whether
1: they can meet that challenge. Gary, how do you feel?
3: Well, I, I've it it's a it's a relief uh I think for the organization that they are able to get it done in six. Um and be able to just, you know, after watching what happened with Milwaukee and you know, teams like you know, Sacramento's on the ropes and Memphis could be out, all all these teams that are higher seeds kind of having trouble. The Celtics were, you know going, you know, mess up, mess around and find out what happened with them if they continue to mess around with the Hawks and play with their food. And they just got business done, great last four minutes of the game, five minutes of the game to just push them back. Atlanta was eventually going to back up and, like, become themselves. Like, they weren't – and it, it took till five minutes left of the game. They played a good 43 minutes – and the Celtics were the better team, obviously in the fourth quarter, and so yeah, like I I think this is the next step, and obviously I think everybody's been looking forward to Philly uh, mm-hmm. for months now, and then there obviously was supposed to be Milwaukee after that, maybe, and now I mean you could get, you could get real unique with the Knicks or the Heat if they happen to get past. Uh, the Sixers in this next round, and then you're, the road to the finals is different. I don't know if it's easier; that's a debatable. Because Milwaukee was not playing good basketball over the last few weeks. They were not. I mean, even starting with that, when they got blasted by the Celtics at home by forty-one points in late March. I think that the Bucks have just kind of not been themselves, and they show that they're beatable. So who knows if this is an easier road, but it's definitely a different road. But it's good for the Celtics to just get past this, get a couple days rest, and now move on like the said to a different challenge. Mm-hmm. But I think that this series made them better. They were tested. Like Quinn Steiner's a good coach. He caught he, he exposed some weaknesses that Celtics got to work on. I think it, 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 this makes it better for them than if they had done this easy sweep and just walked in to this Philadelphia series with not, not even being challenged. They were challenged.
1: And to that point, it wasn't, it was all hands on deck for game six in Atlanta. I like you said, they played with their food for a minute, but Tatum, 30 points, 14 rebounds, seven assists. That was actually a second 30 point game in that series. Jalen Brown with 32. Al Horford had to show out with a double double as well. Trey Young, obviously, he really wanted this as well. And everyone on both sides, the fun part of this was Apollo. Apologizing to Janet Jackson, but what did you see from the Celtics in this series that you, like you said, will prepare them for now this next step against Philly?
3: I saw a team that obviously had some things to work on. Now they're not; they they didn't play badly in the series. They played mostly well. Um, Atlanta, I think, would you know everyone in, Atlanta, in Boston took Atlanta for granted because we haven't seen them most of the year. They've been a team under completely under the radar. They've been they forty one and forty one, but they were number three in the NBA in scoring. Okay, so this team puts up points, and the only way that they could have won this series or had a chance is what they did is get into shootouts. They got into the a shootout in game three, and they got into a shootout in game five, and and trade, and they got pretty much got into a shootout uh, in game six, but the Celtics were just better. So I think the Celtics learned one. They got to tighten up that defense. They got to be more consistent. Joe missoula has got to use his bench more. As you saw, we saw Grant Williams. We saw a little bit of Peyton Pritchard at the end. Like use the guys that you have. Use Grant Williams. Grant Williams is playing good basketball. You should not be he should not be getting DNP's. He's too good for that. You know, use your bench. You know, if guys are not playing well, take them out the game. Like this is no egos here. You 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 know, you, you you can have those discussions in the offseason. Right now, you're trying to win games. So I think they learned a little bit about themselves. They were pushed. Um, and, you know, Philadelphia has elements that that Atlanta doesn't have, but Atlanta also has elements that Philadelphia does not have. They don't have the dynamic point guard. I thought DeAndre Hunter was great in this series offensively. He burned the Celtics on their doubles of Trey Young. I mean, he was very good. Uh Philadelphia doesn't really have that type of guy uh you know you know TJ Tucker or sorry PJ Tucker not that type of shooter even though he can hit one on occasion like they don't Philadelphia brings some different elements but I think this Atlanta series brought out the best in the Celtics and I think they're a better team now than they were 2 weeks ago because of that yeah, I mean, there, there's some matchups with Atlanta
2: that just did not play to what Boston does well. And Atlanta, over the course of that series, was able to take advantage of that. I thought one of the biggest uh, issues that I thought the Celtics had was just Al Horford's defense. I mean, Al was in some really bad matchups because he's, he was playing against guys who were basically small forwards, uh, who were just long. And that was problematic because whenever there would be a switch defensively, he'd wind up with a guy like DeAndre Hunter or he would wind up with Trey Young. Mm-hmm. And those are just bad matchups for him to have steady doses of throughout the course of the game. So that that's one of the things that I thought made Atlanta a unique challenge that I didn't think the Celtics over the course of that series did as good a job with as they could have. Now, flip, you know, fast forward to Philly, mm-hmm. very different. Joel Embiid is very much in the defensive wheelhouse of Al Horford. I think he will be more impactful because he's dealing with someone who, while from top to bottom is a more talented player, Al's strengths align themselves better defensively with what Joel is looking to do. And so Al may not win that battle. I don't expect him to win that battle, but he will compete, I think, at a better and a higher level consistently against Joel than he did against some of those Atlanta uh, sort of kind of hybrid bigs that they threw out there. But the bottom line is is, is this. The Celtics have to be better. Uh, and they have to be better in terms of how they use the guys that play normally and the guys that don't play uh, normally. You know, Jason Tatum averaged better than 30 points a game during the regular season. He had two out of six games where he had 30 or more points. Uh, he has to be more impactful. The best player for the Celtics in that Hawks series was Jalen Brown. Uh, I, don't, I really don't think it's much of an argument when you look at not only the the numbers but the impact of what he did when it mattered absolutely uh the the most out there and that just can't be the case against philadelphia when you look at the guys that tatum is going to be matched up against he should absolutely dominate those matchups i don't think the sixers have the kind of depth at that position to deal with what tatum brings to the table it's just a matter of him finding the right spots when to be attacking when to be aggressive and making sure that he's filling all the boxes out there Uh, i went and looked up up that i did a little a little hood homework, as Gary Washburn likes to call it. <laughs> and I did some numbers on Tatum. Now, get this now. When Tatum takes at least 20 shots from the field, at least 10 shots from three point range, and gets to the free throw line at least 10 times a game, the Celtics are 12 and 2. And, when I, and I, the reason why those numbers matter is because it shows that he's not only being aggressive in terms of shooting the ball, but also attacking the rim. That's how he gets to the free throw line. When he's able to do that consistently, they're going to be a very good team. And I, and I isolated, did a little bit of hood homework, Curtis and Gary Washburn, and I looked at his numbers when he just gets 10 or more free throws. And when he takes 10, 20 more shots at least 20 shots, at least twenty three point, at 10 three-point attempts, and at least 10 free throws, there's like an 85% winning percentage at 12 and 2. When he just takes 10 free throw attempts per game, they won like 80% of the game. So when he's checking multiple boxes along those lines, they have a higher winning percentage than if he just gets to the free throw line. line. So Tatum being able to put together a more well-balanced attack offensively, that's a huge factor in Boston putting these sixes away sooner rather than later.
1: So it seems as though you two weren't as concerned about their their performance on the road in this series before we finally move on from Atlanta, because we've talked about them enough at this point. But do you think it was just a blip, the fact that they weren't performing the way Celtics fans expected them to? Or do you think it actually exposed exposed some flaws that are going to be potentially a problem against Philly? Well, I'm going to go back to something that Gary mentioned briefly, and I, I
2: think it's 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 one of those things that we just kind of glossed over. Atlanta has a new coach. And he's a pretty damn good coach in Quinn Snyder. And I think Quinn recognized some things that they could do. If they did those things at a high level, it would give them a chance to compete. And they, there's no question. They clearly identified attacking Al Horford for, with multiple bodies was going to be a key to them being able to compete. That's why you saw a lot of the, the you know, when they run their pick and roll, that pick and roll stopped when they got Al Horford matched up with whoever was the ball handler. And then everyone just kind of went flat. Uh, and that's something that I think Philadelphia – it, that if they try to employ that strategy I think it's going to blow up in a really bad way for them because Al matches up much better against the Philadelphia players when terms of pick and rolls than he did against the Atlanta guys and, and so that to me was one, one of the things that I'm not sure if the sixers can take a lot away from this Atlanta series because their personnel, is very different than Atlanta's, and because of that difference, I'm not sure if you can do. This isn't an apples to apples type of thing where we'll work in Atlanta. We can make that work for us. Philadelphia has to figure out what they do well uh, against the, the Celtics if they're going to win. I'm not sure how much they're going to glean from from what the Hawks did.
3: Yeah, I don't look at this like I don't. I wasn't concerned in terms of like, oh, like of course. I don't think anybody. The Celtics wanted to face a game, so, like, they needed to close this out. Like, you do not want to have one game for it all. And they watched Milwaukee lose and get knocked out. You don't want – this to be a historic upset. You don't want – if they had lost this series, it would have been some considerable probably off-season changes. It would have been a step back for the organization. All the the talk about we don't want – But the unfinished business, that would have just gone out the window. And there had been a lot of discussion about what to do moving forward. So they avoided disaster. But I also look at the series and like Atlanta could not pull away from it. Like game two, the, the first two games, game three, where Atlanta played amazing, like all their bench guys, Tatum had a chance to tie that game with a minute left and missed and so did Brogdon and both missed open threes. If they hit those threes, the Celtics could have conceivably swept the series. And then we all know the debacle of game five where they had the damn thing won, and then Trey goes off. They made a bunch of boneheaded errors. So it, the, Atlanta wasn't close, but Obviously, it's all about just winning the game. Atlanta won two games. They won one when they pay, played amazingly well offensively, and the Celtics kind of blew their chances to tie, and then the comeback win. So I don't think it's like, well, I think the Celtics are, should be worried. I just think if you if you want to look at it positively, I think they they look back and go, we were tested. This is what we needed. This is is, what Quinn Snyder is doing is what Doc Rivers is doing, is studying, you know, okay, how can I get Tyrese Maxey into space against Horford? How can I, but they don't have, the thing about Philadelphia is they got MB, They got the big man in the middle. He's going to attract a lot of attention. They got Harden who can't get off the dribble uh, to the rim off the dribble like he used to, right? So he's more of a distributor. He can get to the rim and get to the free throw line. Or he's got to get hot from the three-point line. You know, Harden is not. Man, I'm not. You know, he, he's not the player he once was. Now he's not trash or he's not terrible. He's a. He's. A, he's 33 years old. I mean, that's what happens when you get 33. Uh, in most occasions, except you a got like LeBron James or whatever or, or Kobe, you lose a step. Okay, and so James Harden to me is a guy who like I'm looking at his stats this season. James research, okay. Okay, James, 21 points, 10, he's a more distributor. 10.7 assists, led the league, 38% from 3, uh 44% overall from the field. Um a solid, but he's not the the 50 point, 50 ball. I mean, remember he averaged 36 points a game 5 years ago. Um in 34 the year after that, now he's averaging 21. So he doesn't slow down. I mean, James Harden has averaged 20 points a game for the last 11 seasons. Okay. But now it's down to 21. Okay. His lowest since his second season. So his lowest, sorry, since his third season in Oklahoma city, when he was coming off the bench. So this is a different James Harden. Okay. If you look at the Philadelphia roster, um, so they don't have, they, Maxie's a guy, but Maxie hasn't played well against the Celtics this season. And, and we, all, we, we always can talk about our friend Tobias Harris. What the hell is he going to do? I think he's got to have to be great. So Atlanta brings different, sorry, Atlanta brings different challenges. They don't have, the thing about Atlanta that I think a lot of people didn't know, that they had talent that just, dudes that just were inconsistent. Like, DeAndre Hunter is a dude that people have been waiting on. The dude was a lottery pick. OK, people have been waiting on DeAndre Hunter for years to be that ultimate three and D guy, to be a guy who can average 20 points a game, shut down the top defender. Like people have been waiting for DeAndre Hunter to, to the light to go on. And it did in this series. Now, he wasn't he, he, he had twenty seven one game. He hit every damn their open shot last night. I mean, he burned the Celtics on when they tried to double trade. And I've seen him for we've all seen him for years. He'll generally miss the three. He's just he's there's a time he'll score five points. He's just in this series, he showed himself. Okay. The the Atlanta don't really have that type of guy. McDaniel's coming off the bench, maybe. Um, Anthony Melton, you know, like they don't, they've got more older players, but Atlanta had talent. You know, Okongwu, that dude's a beast in the paint. In addition to Capella, I thought he's better than Capella. If I'm Atlanta, I start him over Capella now because Capella got no offensive game. But, you know, we'll see what the Hawks do in the future. But, like, they had dudes that I think people hadn't heard about They were like, man, this dude's pretty good. Sadiq Bay, the Celtic killer. I mean, you know what I mean? Uh, Bugjanovich, a, a deadly three-point shooter. Like, Atlanta doesn't have that just knockdown, three point guy you know what i'm saying like they don't have that that you know i'm looking at their numbers like he's their best three point shooter at, four, at 43% but you know he's he, he, you wouldn't say he's a sniper okay but he's good but he's had he's been bad against the Celtics season you look at you know tucker doesn't only takes two per game um you look at you look at these guys and it's like melton is 39% but yeah you know they they got talent without question but I think the Celtics have been tested in a way that should prepare them better for this series I think they'll take I'm not saying take a sigh of relief but they ain't got to deal with some of the youth the 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 DeJounte Murray's they ain't got to deal with some of them dudes that are 24 years old and trying to get in their ass like they ain't got Philadelphia's a little bit more longer in the tooth So it'll be a more physical series, a more strategic series. But I think the Celtics will be like, damn, we ain't got to see, you know, Trey running around screens, DeJounte getting to his spots, Hunter hitting threes. Like, I think they'll be better prepared than they were if they had played, if they hadn't played this team.
1: That
2: makes sense. Yeah. The the weird thing about Philly though, and I just chiming in really quick, is that you know Philadelphia, we don't think of them as a three point shooting team, and yet they led the league this year in three point shooting percentage. Um, but the thing that they do that I, I think is a little bit of a misnomer about that is that they don't take a ton of threes. Uh, They're very efficient with that. Even though they led the league in in three-point percentage, they were like 16th in three-point attempts per game. So it's not like they're jacking them up at a high volume. They're just making the most of their opportunities. If you're the Celtics, uh, you know that that's a weapon that they are very judicious in how they utilize that. So you got to be smart if you're Boston. You can't let them get into a rhythm with that shot because they've shown the ability as a team to make that shot. Uh, but again, I think the Celtics present a different kind of challenge defensively because they've got so much defensive versatility where they, even when they're switching, there are very few times where Philadelphia is going to get a switch that's going to be a significant advantage for them in terms of scoring the ball, particularly from three-point range. So it'll be interesting to see how the Celtics handle you know, a Philadelphia team that has shown the ability to knock down the threes at a high level, but they just don't take a lot of those shots.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Embiid, Mb takes 25, almost 25% of their shots. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's not a, you know, he's a occasional three point shooter.
2: Right.
3: Um, I think they're going to take their chances with trying to make guys like Tobias Harris beat them. Harris wildly inconsistent, a guy who has, you, you see the talent, but it's just never, now he's 30. So he's, he's 10 years in the league, 11 years. This is who he is. Um, you know he's a he's a he's a compliment, mm-hmm. but I I think that they'll they're gonna have to take their chances with 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 defend, but I, and I think they can defend him well, uh, you know. But you look at the, some of the other guys, you know, Shake Milton, um, you know, Georges Ning, like guys who who don't not say scare you, but are capable. But I think the Celtics, there's a reason why the Celtics went three and one against them this season and why it took a 52-point game from Joel Allen Bede for the Sixers to win and come back and win the only time they beat them. So it should be interesting how the Celtics, if they come up with any different defensive wrinkles uh, for this team. But I think as I'll stress, I think playing Atlanta will benefit them because Philadelphia is older. They're not as athletic. You know they're starting thirty-seven-year-old PJ Tucker, in addition to Embiid, who's twenty-eight and got a lot of miles. Thirty-three-year-old Harden, thirty-year-old Harris. Like, you know, they got Niang's twenty-nine. Like they ain't got a bunch of young stallions out there like the Hawks did.
0: Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel. America's number one sports book and official partner of major league baseball and new customers in mass can get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet and sign up at fanduel.com slash Boston. Finally, you can bet on all your favorite sports from the money line to point spreads to player props and more. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure and super easy to use. Don't miss your chance to get $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose, visit Fanduel.com Boston and make every moment more. Fanduel, official partner of Major League Baseball. You must be 21 or older and present in Massachusetts to participate. A $10 initial deposit is required. Your first online bet must be a real money wager. Bonuses are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to GameSetsMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234.
1: So we've talked a little bit about Philly. Obviously, this is going to be a very compelling matchup for multiple reasons. But Joel Embiid, we know that he did suffer a knee sprain at one point do you two think that that could be any have any effect on the outcome of this series Joel Embiid is going to play
2: <laughs> obviously yeah, I don't I don't care what doc obviously and the doctors and all the folks in Philly say Joel Embiid is going to play and he's going to be impactful um he's you know he, he should be this this year's MVP but based on, on the way he's played uh and you know. For him, you know, the Celtics, they, they have been that albatross around his neck that he just hasn't been able to get free of. And so a chance for him to get the Sixers beyond the second round again uh, and have a chance to do it against the Celtics, he's not going to miss any games. Uh, I, I think part of his motivation is going to be to see what happened with Milwaukee. You know, Milwaukee's best player, you know, missed some time out there, and the Bucks were never able to get back on track. And if you are Joel Embiid, you – you don't want to have an off season like that where, you know, you, you didn't play through some pain and some, some discomfort because you just didn't feel like playing. Uh, and also, and you, you, you're in that one, two, three Cancun mode after five games. You're not trying to be that guy. So I think he will play. I think he will be impactful. And I think if you're the Celtics, my goal is to run your usual offense, but make him work a little bit harder. Force him to actually have to defend away from the basket. And if he decides that he's not going to, you do that, then make him pay. So I or make the Sixers pay, I you say. So I expect to see Joel out there, and I, I do expect the Celtics will look to take advantage of him, whether he's healthy or not.
3: Yeah, I don't think that uh you use that single coverage that you did the last time they played when he had fifty-two points when he was hitting everything. <laughs> I think uh Embiid, I don't know about the D, but I think um I think I was talking to Jared Greenberg from TNT and he at Atlanta and he pointed out like that Embiid has not always had some kind of injury during a playoff series. Like there's always something going on in Toronto last year. It was his eye. Um, He had the eye, you know, when he was falling had the eye socket and that affected him in the next series against Miami in this series against the Nets, just previous, he had the knee, he missed the game with the knee. Like, so is he going to play all the games? Right. A good question because he's always seems to have some. Secondly, with that in mind, in terms of his injury history and the fact of his lower extremities, I think the Celtics need to focus, like Terod said, on getting him, making him work on defense, getting him tired, getting him to where he is worn the hell out. Remember now, there's only the games every other day now. Okay, Everybody's like, well, the Celtics lost, you know, to the Hawks, so they give. Embiid, two more days to rest that knee. True, however, with the schedule of the series now, it's every other day until between until games two days between game six and a potential game seven. Mm-hmm. So this is so MB's going to have to come back every day, just like Robert Williams on the on the Celtics side. He's going to have to, you know, this is where all that load management and, and all that training and all that you know doing the stuff to your body to make sure you're sound and strong. Uh, you know, pays off. So let's see what Embiid M- has. Does he have a long seven-game or six-game series in him? I think it's important for the Celtics to get that first game, couple days off. They'll Philadelphia might be rusty-rested as opposed to rested. The Celtics will be rested. So they're, not, they're not practicing Friday. They're not practicing Saturday. They only practice on Sunday. So they get two full days off, then a practice, then Monday night's the game. The Sixers, I want to say, well, when did they eliminate uh, last Sunday they eliminated the Nets, I believe, or uh, no, no, last Saturday. So they they'll have uh, nine days off. So that's more rust, and we know ball players, and that's a long time to have no games, inactivity. You can practice all you want. You can do five and five and up up and downs all you want. So the Celtics got to capitalize on the fact that the, the, they're the more uh, active team at this point and figure out a means of making Embiid work. And sometimes making those other guys beat you. Maxie is a very good player. He's just not playing well against Celtics. Now, that doesn't mean, oh, let him go off, you know, because he'll find, he could find it. But, you know, given that Harden is not the 50-point, 50 50-ball 50 Harden of his previous days, I said 21 points a game, that's nice. And, you know, you don't expect that, And he can't get off the dribble like he used to. So you put Marcus on them, or you put you you know Derek White, even Brogdon at times make him work. You got some guys there was you know Harden's long in the tooth, and we all Harden does not have a great playoff history, and so does Embiid. So you're asking those two guys to really step up and perform in this crunch time. So let's see what the Celtics got. The Celtics are in there. This is this is a series for them to win. They're the favorite team. They're, they're the, they've been the better team. So let's see if they got it. And I said, now, Embiid's not 100%. So you make him work. And make him work on defense. Get him in some foul trouble. Like, don't have him sit there and just shoot 15-footers. He'll kill you. We saw it the other night. Like, I think, my personal feeling, me, myself, I. I, Gary Washburn. I love, watch, I, I love when people say. Wait, wait, yeah, you, you fool. <laughs> me, myself? Yeah, we, we get it. So <laughs> I think... Embiid's a top 75 player. Like, I didn't get a vote for the top 75, but I would have voted for Joel Embiid. I think he's that good. Offensively, he is he is just marvelous. Mid-range, not a great three-point shooter, but capable. I mean, he does not miss from 16 to 18 feet. 12, like, he just doesn't miss. He's got all, you know, he, he's nimble. He get to the rim. He can lay it. He's got a soft touch. Like, all of the above. He's got the perfect game for a big man um, in terms of just his offensive arsenal. But you got to make him work on defense, make him push him away from the basket, blitz him at times, make him make the right pass out the double teams, make him think as opposed to just damn shoot. If you, if you just let him shoot, if all he's got to do is shoot, it's trouble. Mm-hmm. You got him passing out of double teams, spinning and seeing another defender there. Like last night, I noticed like they doubled John Collins. And what happens? He turned around late in the game and fell because <laughs> he didn't expect it. And then it was like a jump ball, right? Like that's the kind of stuff, like make it hard on these dudes. Make it hard on Embiid, you know? I mean, if you got to get beat by three by Georges Niang, hey, you know, but you're dealing with a team that has its limitations. The last time they did that, P.J. Tucker burned them. But is that going to happen for seven games? Sometimes you got to give something up. And the Celtics gave something up against Atlanta and got burned in many cases by like guys like Sadiq Bay and John Collins and DeAndre Hunter. But in this case, I think you got to, you got to focus on the big man. You got to make sure he, he has a hard time being comfortable.
1: So all of that being said, what are, you know, we love a good little prediction on (laughs) the pod. So what would you say are your expectations and maybe some predictions for this series. Every game is going
2: to be a dogfight, I think, for the Celtics. I think the, the Sixers are not just going to bow out quietly. I don't think the Celtics are going to have uh, a blowout-type victory. But I do expect them to emerge victorious. And I, I think this the series will actually, the length of it, will, I think, be shorter than Atlanta. I think, it, I think Boston will win it in five. Um, but I think all they're gonna
3: put they're gonna, pu- they gonna push them to the brink can, can, at something's can five. Can you can you, <laughs> you let me finish my sentence, Mr. Garrett?
1: <laughs> I knew that was coming.
3: <laughs> what let me finish my sentence, Mr. Garrett? Yeah, I you know, said gonna push him to the brink. Celtics in five. Like, what? Can
1: I finish the sentence? <laughs> <laughs> I a
2: sweet. <laughs> don't you gotta don't you gotta put some 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 I don't know, kerosene in your light up? Mike, you got over there just... He just been wanting to talk
3: about this I Mike all day. can't thinking. wait to talk about my microphone. Finally Go, that there, Shroud. Sorry, Shroud. Go ahead, Sherrod. I'm sorry, Sherrod. Go ahead.
2: What I'm saying to you, Gary, is that the games against Philadelphia will be closer than all the games we saw against Atlanta, but I think the Celtics are going to find a way to win them in a shorter amount of time. I just think they're going to have to work harder in less time than they had to do against Atlanta. Five games. I think it'll be five games, but it'll be five close games. It'll be similar to that gentleman's sweep they had against Brooklyn, where even though they swept Brooklyn straight up, all of those games were, were tight and it could have gone either way. And so I, I think it'll be like that against the building. Now, uh, now Mr., 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 Mr. Globe, right?
3: I think the Celtics are in six. Um, I think that they're the better team. I think they'll be prepared. They're a familiar opponent. I don't know how familiar the Celtics were with the Hawks, and also with a new coach, they hadn't really played much of the Quinn Snyder Hawks. So they weren't the Nate McMillan Hawks or the Lloyd Pierce Hawks, they were, they were the new Hawks. So I think uh, this time they're familiar opponent with Embiid being less than hundred percent, Harden being a little aged. Um, I think the Celtics being having all their guys in their prime, I mean, Brogdon, White, Jason, Jalen, Marcus, all those guys under 30, all those guys, you know, looking fresh, Robert, a healthy Robert Williams, Al still doing his thing. Although I don't think, I think I wouldn't want to rely too much on Al, especially offensively. Mm -hmm. And then you got guys coming off the bench, Hauser, Grant Williams, please use Grant. If you're Missoula in this series, like he can help you. Um, I think the sales prevail in six. And, and I just think they're the better team. And I think Philadelphia has its flaws. I thought Philadelphia got kind of a break because people were, you know, were, well, when they got Brooklyn, I thought that they got kind of a break because Brooklyn's still trying to figure some things out. Don't have a primary score, even though Mikael Bridges had a very, very good year stint with Brooklyn. Obviously there was some like confusion of who is the, you know, they they blew some leads down the stretch, you know, Brooklyn wasn't, the opponent that Atlanta was. And Brooklyn was probably the worst team in the playoffs. Um, so you got kind of a break there, but I just think the Celtics are like, okay, we're, we, we've gotten our mulligan out of the way with Atlanta. We weren't familiar with them. This is an opponent that we do know, and they're going to be prepared. And so I, I just think Celtics in six. What about you, Kwani?
1: I, I actually, I do think it's going to be a fun series. I don't think Joel Embiid is going to let up without a fight on this one, but to both of your points, I still do think the Celtics are the better team. And honestly, right now, I think they're still the better team in the East. Obviously the Bucs got upset and we take seeds seeding lightly sometimes, but I think they've proven this season that they are right now, the best in the East until they prove otherwise. So I think it'll be an interesting season before a uh, series before we wrap up though i would be remiss if we didn't talk quickly about heather walker she was a vp for the celtics and of uh, um for their product uh, production public relations department and just recently passed away after a hard fight with cancer but i know the two of you worked with her i had an opportunity to work with her as well so i'd just love to hear you to share a little bit about your time with her
2: heather was great for me, I mean, come, coming in from, from Detroit, you know, a decade ago, Heather was one of the people that really kind of helped me assimilate uh, with the players. You know, when I needed Paul Pierce for whatever, she was able to make that happen at, at times when I thought there's no way in hell that Paul's going to talk to me about this. Uh, she was able to make those type of things happen. And it just in general, she was just a really good person, great spirit uh, to be around. Uh, physical basketball player, which I respected in our media scrum games. Uh, Her and I matched up a few times with each other and against each other and with each other. Uh, Just, just an enjoyable being to be around and is going to be missed by so many of us.
3: Yeah. um, It's terrible. Like I'm, I was very, I was very emotional move when I found out that she passed and, when we got the message last week that she was moving into a hospice and um, Heather was amazing. She was funny. You know, I think that, that, that the people that follow that, that, you know, like the fans don't understand may not understand that the relationship between the media and the public relations of the Celtics were like, it's it's like going to high school. You see them every day. It's you, you form friendships with them. You might even have a drink with them. You know, they have different interests. Theirs interest is of the team. Your interest is to cover the team. So you work together and you, you know, uh, Heather was always one that said, hey, um, come out to this community. She was always ensuring that the Celtics did everything, did all the events throughout the communities, uh, all over Boston, not only in the good, nice communities, not only in the rich communities, but sometimes in the, tu- in the tough and troubled and underrepresented communities. And she was there and, you know, she'd always want you to get a line in about the community efforts that she, that they were doing because she wanted to help promote and help you know bring um, more happiness and more things. You know, when they had a new basketball court in Roxbury or Mattapan or whatever, so it was always a fun to deal with Heather. Always uh, a joke, Heather, because Heather was no joke when it came to ending an interview. Um. Last question, you know, right? she, yeah. Like, <laughs> and she really meant this is the last. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. Like, when it, it was time, when our time was gone, it was over, and Heather made sure of that. And so that became our running joke for years. And just Heather did not play when it came to ending an interview or any interview session. She let herself be known. She was a strong woman, and I think people need to understand that. A strong woman in such an organization, one of the highest-ranking women. Uh, someone that everyone respected, and it, it's just a tragic loss because I mean I remember when she came out to Kevin Garnett's for jersey retirement last March, and she was battling and struggling, but she was okay. You know, she was she was emotional, and and you know who knew that would be the last time some of us would see her, um, and she, you know, and two daughters that we saw we've seen grow up. I mean, I Everywhere, think we, yeah you know, we've literally seen. I think she had her oldest maybe during 2008 2009 um so she is 13 14 years old and we've seen her grow up and then the youngest might be nine or ten um so we even i mean you know we knew her before she got married or when she was i think dating her husband and then boom two young young uh ladies that she's raised and her and her husband steven so it, it it's just tragic and it's terrible. And I, I feel for the family, I pray for the family. And we all lost something. Cause I mean, she was a, a great friend. So we had joke, laugh and joke with Sherrod, you know, laugh and joke with, and you know, she didn't take no mess from us. And, and it was a good relationship. And I think that people don't, when you do this job, you make friends and relationships. We have, you know, we not only cover the team, you get to know people that work in the organization and you develop friendships with them, not only, and you care about each other, see their family, see their kids grow up, you know, one time they bring their kid, there's kids too. Now the kid's 10 and you're like, well, my God, you, great. Like, <laughs> you know, time flies. And and so this is a, this is a very tough, difficult loss. She is, you know, we lost uh, from the patient we Lost David Benner, Benner last couple months ago, who was a great PR guy for the Indiana Pacers. And now Heather, it's just, it's very sad. And she did just so much for the organization. She was the, in many cases, the face, the players. I mean, you ask Garnett, and I saw Ray Allen put a tribute to her. Those, the big three, you know, those players, and, you know, even young Marcus when, you know, because she kind of moved up. So she didn't deal with much. And the ladies were like Jason and Jalen. She's more dealt with, in those days, the the Paul Kevin, hmm. you know Rondos and those guys. Um, you asked them about her, and you know they have fond memories. And, yeah, you know, and her work cut bad. out
1: with them too. The way yeah, she's talking yeah, about it. <laughs> yeah, and it's not
3: easy. And you know, I think that people all want to work for a team. You want to want to do that? Well, yeah, you got to convince. You know, uh, you know, our friend Rajon Rondo to come to this event or talk to the media when you don't want to. You have to convince players. Guys that are, that feel like they don't have time. That no, no, you got to make time. You got to do this, um, or do this for me for five minutes. Or like, mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a it's a constant challenge. And so we all grow close because it's like a family. And we lost our family member, and it's very sad. So I pray for her.
1: Yeah, we definitely did. I think about just the fact of we mentioned being a trailblazer too. I think is really important with her being a woman in a VP position in one of the most established, well-known franchises in the NBA, just all the conversations I had with her about the things that she would go through behind the scenes of just really solidifying the fact that women belong in the world of sports. I will never forget those conversations. And to your point, I do appreciate how, even though I was new and figuring out my footing in the industry, she was so hard on me in the sense of like, it's not easy. And I want to make sure you understand what you have to go through when it comes to being able to be to be strong willed, but just be successful in this industry as well. So, again, prayers for her family, for all the people that were close to her. But she will definitely be very much missed in this world. But and I also just appreciate being able to I put on Twitter, like standing on the shoulder of a giant like that, who was so unapologetic about what she brought to the table. And I hope other young women can read her story and understand how important she was. To the organization and for those that obviously you know may not have heard of her before didn't really know about her there is a movement called move for heather it's on facebook it's online you can donate to hopefully finding more um research and getting eventually a cure for glioblastoma which is the cancer that she was suffering with at the end so again much love to her family and that being said this was the a-list podcast we are looking forward to this series against Philadelphia. Make sure you, of course, stick with us all throughout that and hopefully further on for the rest of the Celtics season. For Ashrod Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwani Lunas. This is the A-List Podcast. Thank you for listening.